Listening to WandaVision Vision. Uh, we, we interrupt your podcast feed for, for this. Another another podcast. Uh, my name is Ben Went. I am joined by Justin Barrett. Justin, hello. Hello, hello, hello. So if you're if you're a weirdo and you're jumping in and this is your first episode of this, uh, that's fine. Weirdo. That, I, we don't really care. We'll take the downloads, you weirdo. Yeah. But uh, this this is our crossover event. Justin hosts the amazing podcast MC Who, and I host the, uh, you know, I think mediocre in the best way possible, Disney Plus Plus Ben Plus no, Friends, no, no, and good. this is our crossover event that, that you didn't ask for, but you got anyway, <laughs> and we are breaking down every week a different episode of WandaVision, so spoiler warning now. We are going to talk spoilers for this episode. We're going to talk spoilers for the MCU. Mm-hmm. We will even talk spoilers for specific Marvel comics. So just kind of a universal spoiler warning. We try to be sensitive and kind of give individual warnings as we're going along, but you've been warned. And there are, uh, I would definitely, I guess part of why I'm saying this so explicitly is that if you haven't, and this is in, in itself a spoiler, but if you haven't watched episode four of WandaVision yet, mm-hmm. and you listen to this episode, a lot happened, and you it will be a massive spoiler for the show itself. So I would recommend stopping the podcast, come back to us, please, and go watch the episode. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it, it's best to be consumed with your eyes and ears. Justin, in, uh, in 10 words or less, how are you feeling about this episode? Oh, God. Are the, wait, those are two of my words. No, wait, I just... <laughs> you're, you're just burning through them, man. You've got three left. <laughs> wow. Re- yeah, rewatch? I, question mark? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I... I, I <laughs> Uh, my my mine would be I need to buy a cork board. I need to buy a cork board and red string. Uh-huh, yeah, because right. there are some conspiracy <laughs> theories and craziness to go through. So, in, in case you haven't listened yet, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be assembling an infinity gauntlet of observations, and uh, we'll go one stone at a time, and then we'll kind of wrap things up by talking about what we think's next and any Easter eggs that are hidden throughout the episodes. And, and Justin, are you going to have some reading recommendations I will. this week as I well? I will. Oh, that's what I love to hear. All right. So let's jump right in with the Soul Stone. So this is just the heart of the episode. What were some of your favorite moments? What drew you in? What did you just love about the episode at large? What made its heart beat okay. for you? Okay. Justin. Yeah, we're going to go. We're just going to start off with a bang. I mean, that cold open, sweet Lord. That cold that open. was, and then, okay, specifically, just, you know, kind of understanding wow oh god we're on the other side of the blip oh man this is this is insane and like the chaos of it well and i'll get more into that later so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna hold off on the, the details of the cold open but specifically i'll just say the cold open into that like that that heroic mcu title song and and you know title yep. card um sweet lord man it was i i got chills i got chills in the first I, five minutes. I found that, uh, you know, and I'm prone to hyperbole, as any of anybody who's listened to the show yet knows, but I found that cold open to probably be the single most, 
I'll be careful with what I say here because I don't want to be snobby. I obviously love genre stuff. I love comic books. I love sci-fi. I found that to be some of the most grounded, maybe the most grounded, emotional, dramatic tension in all of the MCU. Mm -hmm. I found that opening scene, something about a hospital is just an innately compelling, you know, we all have had horrible and wonderful experiences at hospitals and seeing the people come back it was so traumatic yeah the choice to have pretty much entirely handheld camera work lots of long takes there were there were several points where like it was a single tracking shot mm -hmm. with maybe a couple of like reaction close-ups spliced in it, it was shot in this really in-your-face gorilla way the practical effects mixed with the cg looked just incredible it was stressful and sad and intense mm. and grounded in a way again i want to be really clear for your listeners i love this stuff so this is not me <laughs> judging at all but like if i can get you know if i can you know you pull out a to. copy of the new yeah. yorker yeah. uh grounded in like an oscar-y emmy kind of way that the mcu often is not right and i found it really shocking and compelling and especially compared to the silliness of this season so far yeah. complete uh, contrast wow Wow. Yeah. Just incredible execution. Absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. So, no, that, I, that to me, I hope this isn't another one of those episodes. Which is no, 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 no. I, well, but maybe. <laughs> the whole rest of the episode was really good. Yeah. But that cold open was the best part of the whole episode. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a kind of impossible to live up to almost. But, no, I, I loved getting to – and this will, – I will actually kind of bleed into space just a little bit. But I, I love getting to see S.W.O.R.D., and mm -hmm. what they do and get to know them. And they had been hinted at in such an intense way in the last three episodes that it was very cool to kind of get that hit of like what you've been itching for. And just the world building that took place within. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I found that to be really great story building. And then also, the if we're talking about the heart of the episode, Randall Park as, as Jimmy Woo and Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, two incredible you know, perimeter characters who have kind of lurked on the outside of the action yeah. for, for a while now. I mean, like, I think is it Darcy in Thor one. I know she's in Thor. She's two. in both. Yeah. She's in Thor yeah, one. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So she's been in this for a minute, yeah. you know, and has never really gotten a juicy chunk of screen time. And so Disney, Disney plus at Marvel, everybody choosing to use these TV shows mm -hmm. to explore those less explored characters what a what a swing i'm i'm so thrilled and yeah their performances were great i'm sure that everybody who listens to this has seen but just in case i get to be the one to blow your mind uh james Wu has now gone through a very interesting story arc with magic yes. because he sees he sees scott lang paul Rudd, Ant man do this card this hand magic trick and it blows his mind yeah. he like cannot i believe that's an ant-man one it, right or is that an ant-man two he wasn't in one um it's, oh that's so right yeah. okay yes it's an ant-man and wasp and he's obsessed with it. And when uh, when Monica Rambo walks up, he pulls out his business card as a magic trick, as a hand magic trick. And so I'm, I'm really happy for him to yeah. have grown on such a character journey off screen over yeah. the years. So those those are my heartbeat moments, my favorite things, the things that gave the episode soul. How, how about you? Any any others other than that cold open I, for you? Um, just the the bookends, really. Um, and real quick before I mm. jump into it, I just wanted to say, too, I mean. You know I love 
I mean, MC Who, that's what we're all about, is taking these fringe characters and, yes. and you know, mixing them up and giving them some, some purpose so there's a world outside of just, like, the Avengers, you know? Uh, Absolutely. And so I just, I mean, this episode did it perfectly. Um, but, yeah, just the bookends. Uh, the opening and then that, that final scene with Wanda, and, again, I'll, I'll get more into this later, too, with some of the other stones, but... Um, uh, with just seeing Wanda manipulate literally the world, but also vision and, and like just mm-hmm. that specifically the line that she says, uh, this is our home, like hit me so hard. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. Cause up until that point, we've kind of felt we have known like fourth wall breaking have known that wa- that vision is dead. Mm-hmm. But within the confines of the show, it has mostly felt like an equal partnership. Like, I think we right. have commented on this show that Wanda is in the driver's seat, but like Vision's in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. This was the episode where we were like, nope, Vision's in the back seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like w- Wanda is driving the Vision's, Super. Yeah, like <laughs> Vision's in the back seat asleep for the ride. <laughs> um, yes, yes. So I agree with you that that, w- that was very compelling. Yeah. yeah. Um, so th- that's, you know, I'll, I'll stop there cause I'm gonna, <clears throat> as always, Sweet. Uh, elaborate later. <laughs> well then now let's add another gem uh, to our gauntlet. Let, let's go to the space stone. And now this is the best use of visuals, best use of space sets, costumes, etc. I thought the production design and the use of the budget to make the sword slash shield FBI camp outside of West Westview. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought it was incredible. It, it made me think of E.T. Mm-hmm. It made me think of, uh, you know, like a very like late 80s, early 90s um, sci-fi big blockbuster movie. But they did a really good job with scope and scale. I mean, if you really go back and watch it, the camera is pretty tight on the camp. I'm sure that the set wasn't huge, but they right. did a good job of making it feel like there were a lot of people there. They made it, you know, um, it felt this is a weird thing to say, but <laughs> it felt makeshift, but very high tech at the same time in a way that was believable. Like these tents, you know, didn't look like permanent structures, but then they had these incredibly advanced computers inside. And I don't know, my dumb lizard brain was just very yeah. captivated by all of the eye candy of, of that. How about you? Yeah, no, same. I mean, this was a sword episode. This was, um, yeah. And, you know, we discovered so much about it. Um, I want to talk about sword real quick. I'm just going to use this stone as as my jumping off point for that, because let's do it. Um, in the last episode, I discussed sword or maybe, you know, the first episode. Um, and I, you know, I went on Google and I searched what sword actually stood for in the comics. Right. It was sentient world observation response department. Um, well, in the opening of this, when we first see the sword base, it also gives you the acronym, but it's different. And it's, and there's a big difference. And I think this is going to be important. Uh, and that is, it actually says sentient weapon observation response division. So division instead of department, who cares? Uh, but weapon instead of world. And to me, that's huge because, yeah. Um, because this whole time I was trying to figure out, like, sword is typically associated with space and with aliens and with other worlds. So how, why do they care about anything about this, you know? Um, and switching it to weapon all of a sudden makes it a little more, okay, so they're actually a 
an Earth-based, if not, you know... Um, right, and suddenly it could be terrestrial or extraterrestrial. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and with the talk, I mean, there's a few throwaway lines of some astro- of some uh, space uh, stuff, astronaut kind of, uh, you know, planning stuff for, for S.W.O.R.D. We'll, we'll talk about that in the Mind Stone. Yeah, but yeah, 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 so... I I, uh, I I got some little okay. dog whistles. I don't know. Okay, I don't good. know. Yeah. Good. So anyway, I just want to talk about that real quick up front. But then going No, I'm back so glad to... you brought that up. I had missed that, but I think that's a really good observation. Yeah. That's a very good insight. Um so yeah, I mean obviously things in in that world just I thought, you know, I, I always focus more on props than set, I think, uh personally. I think that's just kind of somewhere that my line my mind lies. Um Sure. But uh, the just <laughs> the the old school TV. Um, I thought having the different TVs was really yeah cool. yeah. That, that something awesome. about seeing that in this high tech, you know, I I agree with you. It was kind of like this ET kind of feeling where it's like, yeah, we're just gonna play with, we're just gonna go along with this because like mm-hmm. it's cool. <laughs> it's just a cool kitschy thing. Um, yes. Uh, but then like things like the jump rope. Um, you know, the okay, the cable yes, that I'm turned so into glad you brought rope. this up. The beekeeper, the reveal of uh-huh. that was, I thought, incredible payoff. So, you know, like I have often compared this show to Lost and especially the like Dharma initiative stuff of Lost. And I know Lost is a very like divisive show because certain people feel like it didn't do the payoff right. that it should have. Right. This show is showing that it's not afraid to do the payoff that Lost was maybe a little bit afraid of. And I thought that this beekeeper was maybe the coolest possible reveal of what this beekeeper could have been. Because for three weeks, I've been going, why the heck is there a beekeeper? Like, what do the bees mean? What are they? Right. And it turns out it's this dude who's wearing this, like, quarantine hazmat suit. And... Wanda's magic is like, how can we make this make sense in the 1960s? I guess that episode was. Yeah. And it, it's like, oh, well, he's a beekeeper. And, and like it has to sort of make sense within the universe of the show. And so like, I thought that was really interesting that as soon as he crossed over, it it went from this like glossy plastic to this mesh yes. beekeepers. Uh, oh, man, I used to know the, the fancy word for a beekeeper. Apiary. <laughs> is that right? I think it is. That sounds right um, to me. <laughs> apiarist. Um, I think so. I think so. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, it instantly transformed into this mesh beekeeper's mask. And then, yes, the the tether that was holding the beekeeper back turns into a jump rope and a colorful jump rope once, you know, yeah. once it crosses the other side. I just thought the visuals of that was incredibly cool. After the as we already spoke about the incredible cold open, that was my next favorite part of the whole episode. Yeah. I, I thought that it was really stunning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, the jump rope, the drone turning into the helicopter, the hazmat suit, oh, turning right. into the, the beekeeper suit. Yes. It's, I mean, there's just, you know, it was such clever use of like, how does one's mind kind of, you know, yeah. Comprehend it. Also, to comprehend it was really good visual narrative storytelling. This is a good Space Stone episode uh, because we have had a little bit of a mystery of like, okay, we know it's magic. We know, but but like, okay, like uh, how does Monica have clothes? How does she, you know, and like it suddenly just like was like it in a, in a really good way. It both answers that and hand waves it all at yeah. once. And I, I thought that was really great 
tight storytelling. Right. It's like, well, if the, if the hazmat person turns into a beekeeper, then sure, it makes sense that, like, whenever they jump periods, Monica's clothes change into discussion. My brain shuts off now. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Any other big visual ones before we move on to the time? No, stone? no. Let's uh, let's go. So okay, this is the time stone. This is the best use of the period that the show set in time. This is the one that we might have to tweak a little bit if we end up doing uh, the Winter Soldier. And uh, but here, I, really quick sidebar. What? Ben? On what Mike, are you talking about? On Mike. On Mike. If if we do if and it's well, we're only going to do it if the listeners beg for it. That's the only <laughs> way to we're going to do it. We're definitely not going to force it on you the way we forced it on you with this. If we do Falcon and the Winter Soldier, can I give you my pitch for the day? Yes, please. On my yes, please. Baron and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Chew on it. Chew, chew on it. <laughs> Came up to me yesterday. Uh, Baron oh and the God. Winter Soldier. Um, so, hang on. Think about along it, those but... lines, along that really <laughs> cheesy, horrible line, um, I earlier I was zoned out because you, you said, you said, um, you, you said you you've say? been warned. And I, I was thinking oh, yeah. like, man, you should really have like a sign off on every episode where it's just you've been warned and I've been went. <laughs> oh my gosh. I will do that for for this one I think. But he will, will, will And that was just it. circling around in my head for like 2 minutes at the top of this episode. So I was not listening to anything you said. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. That's good for for rep Oh, um, okay. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> so, time. I thought that the best use of time in this episode was just simply using the present as a measuring stick for the styles of the past and being sure. like, this is what grounded looks like. This is what modern looks like. This is what current looks like juxtaposed with this is the fifties. This is the sixties. This is the seventies. I also did want to, I want to, uh, I wanted to, um, actually myself. I do think I mistakenly took both of the first two episodes as being the 1950s and just, like later parts of the 1950s and then kind of falsely referred to the third episode as the 1960s then. Mm. And it is now that it's been pointed out in the show clear to me that it's like mid fifties, late sixties, early Mm seventies is there. There are like specific, you know, it's hard to do a whole decade style, you know, but I, I did kind of miss that a little bit. The first time around, I thought it was like early fifties, late fifties. Well, and late 60s but along those lines like it is interesting because a lot of the shows that they're basing these off of do like they span you know a decade yeah like bewitched was on for like nine or ten years so yeah exactly even within that show they changed so i did want to um actually myself there and say that like this episode actually helped me better comprehend Mm -hmm. oh that was the 50s the 60s the 70s so now it will be the 80s very clearly rather than the 70s right i i uh i really appreciated that that this episode did that quite yeah. effectively and and, and so. i mean and just i mean even from the sense of darcy and jimmy kind of uh asking the questions that we ourselves were asking in those moments <laughs> yeah um so there was some really clever helpful uh usage of the of this the fun dialogue absolutely between them. <clears throat> absolutely um yeah for me the time stone um you know best use of time was showing uh, cementing where this whole thing takes place in the larger mcu and so Mm -hmm. seeing the blip um seeing the blip and 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 specifically like seeing um you know uh, 
we we've seen the we've seen the aftermath of the blip. We've seen people come back from non-existence, right? Um, but we saw it in a very comedic way with Spider-Man: Far From Home. Spider-Man: um, Far From Home, right? And it was almost brushed. It was off. brushed off completely. It was like it was kind of like here's the story we want to yeah. tell. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure they knew. I mean, you know, WandaVision was supposed to come out earlier than this, I believe. Um, and so I think you're right. Like about six months ago. Yeah. I think. And so I'm sure they were planning on, you know, sh- showing different aspects of the returning from the blip in different shows and whatnot, you know. And so um, anyway, my point is, like you said, it was very grounded. It was very real in that beginning, um, which was just kind of the first time that we'd ever seen that in the MCU, which was. It, I mean, it's so like it really was right. <clears throat> I mean, so like to to me and again, like I love all of this stuff. I'm not like. To me, like, where I kind of hate what awards and stuff like that do is that, like, I, like, my favorite movie of all time is Ghostbusters, and my second favorite is Empire Strikes Back. But, like, those weren't nominated for Oscars. I think, actually, I think Ghostbusters won a visual effects one. But, like, Bill Murray should have been up for best actor in that movie. But he never would. There's no world where Bill Murray gets nominated for Ghostbusters, right? So, like, I want to be really clear that I'm not saying, like, artsy is better, but... This was the first time that the MCU felt like the Dark Knight trilogy, Chris Nolan, <laughs> like, grounded, potentially, like, borderline oscar you know, and, and, like, it was really shocking that we are now, what, 12 years into this, 13 years into this, and, like, th- they can still pull out magic yeah. tricks like that is really Truly, and, and, to me. you know, I, I would argue so that there were there were moments definitely in the MCU uh, in in Civil War for me, the end of Civil War with sure Tony versus Steve. I mean, was heart wrenching, gut wrenching, um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, and then you know, there just moments. There are definitely moments for me, little, little glimmers. Yes, I, I'm not. And again, like I, I want to be clear, I'm coming from the the viewpoint of a lover, uh, who you know, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> my love, but uh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so so just showing us that, okay, this takes place specifically after Endgame, a, a number of maybe weeks, if that, because, you know, when she's put on this assignment for this missing persons case, we're still seeing oh. on the TVs, oh, people are still celebrating, coming, you know, people still finding their families. Yes. So, so all this WandaVision stuff, I mean, it's it's on the, do- it's on the, like, the, 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 what do you call it, the doorstep? No, it's on the... Just on sure. the other side of Endgame. So yeah. this, what I'm trying to say is, this is very fresh for Wanda, right? I mean... This is such a good point, Justin. I had not totally contextualized it the way you just did. You're so right. Vision's death is very, very fresh for her. Right, right. I mean, one could argue that we... I mean, like, now I kind of want to go back and watch the end of Endgame and see if... Uh, after that big fight... We don't really see Scarlet Witch again, do we? Not really. After the I big climactic on your left. She's probably there we for don't... the Tony Stark funeral. I think, yeah, she's she's there for the she for is... the Stark funeral. Sure. But that's that's really the last time we see her. So, oh my gosh. So, gosh. You're so right. So, like, I mean, this is, like, probably she starts to have kind of, like, a break. Yeah. And then well, and days later, everything with Westview happens. And wow. we see through Monica that, you know the people who were blipped um don't recall being blipped you know for them it was just asleep right. for maybe 20 minutes as she says um <laughs> and so 
you know, basically Wanda wakes up from this five-year non-existence, and the last thing she remembers is killing the love of her life um, and dealing with that, right? And everybody else gets to come back, but guess who doesn't? Vision, right? Yeah. So just heart-wrenching for her. So I'm really interested in seeing where that goes. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that, that basically just the time stone for me was cementing this between Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, And you did, I agree with you so much, and and you did just such a good job right now, I think, of even furthering it with the way that you process all this. I appreciate that as a a friend and a viewer. Um, Woohoo! All right, so let's move on to the reality stone. You are very useful, Justin. Don't ever (laughs) let anyone tell you otherwise. The reality stone, was there anything that pulled you out? Broke from reality? Any any cracks? Any any Technicolor drones? So, uh, as as usual, there really weren't any mistakes that I found. It was more uh-huh. of this episode had me wishing for things. I was like, uh, specifically, they pull away from the beekeeper. She says no, and I was like, ooh, what's gonna happen to him? He's gonna get thrust out like like uh, you know Monica did. What? And then it just cuts away. We never hear about Agent Franklin again. And I was like, what? Uh, okay. So are they going to go back to that later? Or I was just very confused. I wanted to see every little glitch from inside of the reality. Mm -hmm. Like when Mr. Hart chokes on the meatball or whatever, like I wanted to see that that was Darcy messing with the frequency or something like that. But we skipped over a lot of them and skipped over like the change into color, um, which I also wanted to see the reaction from there. But that's all. I just, I was wishing I could see more of it. So I totally agree with you. This is so boring. Even when we don't like it as much, we agree. Uh, our brains are too similar. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I will be really honest that while there was a lot of really impressive stuff in this episode, for me personally, it was my least favorite episode yet. And I, when it first finished, I was a little cool on it. I have actually convinced myself that I like it more and more the more I think about it. But I totally agree with you that, like, okay, really bold swing to just completely disrupt the flow of the show. And I always love bold swings. Mm -hmm. I'm always for a bold swing. They did some really great stuff with what they with the decision to disrupt it. You know, I I think that there probably are a bunch of people who don't love the sitcom stuff as much as me and you do that probably this was the first episode they truly liked. And so I get that with a project this big and spanning. You have to kind of, uh, you know, appeal to everybody a little bit. But there was a little bit of expositionary handholding where it was like, yeah, we knew that's what was happening. I don't think I needed an agent to come out and say, literally, is this happening? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit too much of that for me that felt like, all right, we're going to catch everybody who hasn't been on Wikipedia up real quick. Right. Um, just a little too much. I'm being really nitpicky here, but like that's so that's what kind of pulled me out just a little bit was thinking like, I'm totally with you. Like, okay, we saw the beekeeper. Show me then what happened to the beekeeper once she like rewound and, and you yeah, know, things like yeah. that. Show me why did the boss, why did Mr. Hart start choking? Why did that happen? It was weird the stuff they chose to show us and not show us. And it was also weird what caused breaks and didn't cause breaks. Mm -hmm. So like maybe my biggest, like, do I understand the magic of the show is the magic of the show consistent within itself was Wanda recalling Pietro now is very confusing to me because 
like Darcy didn't really do anything to cause that break. She, like having twins caused her to have that break. So then I'm like questioning, like, well, I'm getting very heady here, but do you get yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There's, I, I there's think... a little bit of like, is I don't, well, it was... I, I don't think it's a plot hole, but like it, it is just a little bit like it's weird that they had 30 minutes to take a break yeah. and step outside of the aquarium. Mm-hmm. And like now, instead of being in the aquarium with the fish, we are the people looking in the aquarium. They used those 30 minutes in kind of a weird way. And I think sometimes a little bit of a counterintuitive sure. way. That's sure. All. Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, for sure. And, ma- and the only counterpoint to that, I would say, is that. I'm sure they made deliberate choices on it and mm-hmm. I like deliberate choices such as we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're digging into every one of these characters in the show that we're watching. Okay. Well, Mr. And Mrs. Hart are Todd and Susan Davis or Sharon Davis. Right. right? Okay. So they're finding all these people. There are some notable people they didn't find about. Right. And those are things like for instance Agnes being the big one where you're Agnes, like okay Dottie yeah and uh also I I was wondering why they didn't comment on the commercial breaks um I found that perplexing as hell yeah it was like you're not even gonna comment on the commercial well, and breaks? my like like my my, my, yeah. my first theory was okay well they're getting censored uh product like we're seeing the uncensored product but Darcy and Jimmy no, are seeing like true. a censored version, but then they do show a clip of Darcy, like it cuts to a commercial, and I was like, "What's well, so weird? Why don't? Why aren't they like looking into those?" But but again, it was yeah. probably a decisive decision. It's probably going to be explored in the future, um, and they just didn't want to. Yes, they have absolutely earned goodwill and and trust and suspicion and disbelief yeah. from me, big time. One last reality stone that just took me out. That baked Lay's product placement was egregious. Yeah, that was I mean, rough. like, I get it. You got to pay the bills. But I struggle to think of a more blatant product placement other than, like, the E.T. Reese's Pieces. I mean, like, you know, yes. there's the Pez dispenser in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but that feels like a joke. Yes. That feels yes. like a gag, the Hello Kitty Pez dispenser. This was, like... <laughs> right. Baked Lay's. Oh, boy, I want some of those chips. There was even a shot of Randall Park pulling the chip out and then like holding it in his finger, almost center frame Jesus. and then popping it in his mouth. And I was like, okay, for a show that yeah. has commercials in it, it, like you, you can't do that. You can't, like, I, you I, can't have I've that. come to, <laughs> I've come to like understand like, you know, cars, uh, being advertised in movies. Like obviously Marvel has a big thing with, uh, I don't know. Is it, Nissan or no, it's Audi, right? Um, it's, it's Audi, um, yeah. It's Audi. And so yeah. you know, there's always like you know, cars yeah. and no, I get it. You sodas, gotta pay the bills. But, Look, I love James Bond, and that but whole it was franchise weird. is just product placement. But, <laughs> but yeah. it was it was very jarring to see in a in a show like this. You know what I mean? I, I expect it in blockbuster yes. movies, but not in a show that's very. There's something about having the screen closer to your face <laughs> that makes it even yeah, more noticeable. Like... Hey, really quick though, we do need to take a, a break uh, for a word from our sponsors. Hey, are you having a good day, but just need a little crunch to just take you a little bit further? Try Baked Lay's. They come in a variety of flavors. Original, sour cream and onion, barbecue. Cheddar. They're absolutely wonderful. Cheddar. Cheddar. Absolutely. Cheddar sour cream. Cheddar sour cream. Uh, Cheddar barbecue. uh, Barbecue sour cream. Go to Lay's.com slash WandaVisionVision. Enter promo code Justin and Ben and get 40% off your order of Baked Lay's. Baked Lay's. They're like Lay's, but baked. 
All right, and we're back. Um, so that was great. No, I I can't believe you didn't break the whole time. I just kept chuckling. <laughs> and then as soon as we come back, I break. Uh, right, any more reality, or should we move on to power? Who won the episode? Should we like? Should we go buy that URL now? <laughs> I think we should. There might we might make a little Are bit we? of money. It's worth. It might, it's worth using Squarespace. Squarespace is a place <laughs> for content creators. <laughs> and a promo code WandaVision Vision. It's just, uh, yeah, I want to okay. create a so, podcast that's nothing but ads building on each other. <laughs> just like Adception. Yeah. It's a Russian nesting doll. Oh, of ads. gosh. All right. All right. So, the Power Stone for who won the episode. For me, uh,. This is it's it's a it's a it's a tight horse race between Darcy and Jamie. I'm just gonna barely edge it, Jimmy out because he did stick the landing on that magic trick. <laughs> I think James Wu is the winner of this episode. I think this character has gone from a charming perimeter character to a character that could now be a Phil Coulson stand-in should they do the Young Avengers show that I yes. think that they're building towards. If we do get Wiccan and Speed and Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, uh, and we are really building towards a Young Avengers MCU Disney Plus show, which is, I, I do believe, what's happening. Randall Park now has secured his role as the kind of Phil Coulson, Nick Fury uh, analog for that series. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Woo win in this episode by a hair, because I do think that uh, Darcy Lewis also had a, just an outstanding episode, and uh, Monica Rambo started strong, but then got sucked in, and, and we got less of her as, sure. as it went out. How about you, Justin? Who wins this episode uh, for you? So, uh, before I answer that, I do want to say, Jimmy Woo is so Coulson-like. So Coulson-like. It, totally, the, the, totally. The line deliveries are just so deadpan, and like it, it reminds me so much of Phil Coulson, and I yep. love it. Um, uh, so, you know, funny for me, I put Monica, um, I think okay, that's fair. simply because of this is, this is her origin story. This is, this is what we're getting. It's a backdoor pilot into whatever she, wherever she's going next. And of course she's going to have more to do in this show, but wherever they decide to put her next, like this is what people are going to have to go back and watch like that, that five minute cold open or whatever it was, two minute cold open of, of her waking up after the blip. Like that is that is essential Monica Rambo like watching material now. And, and that's just uh, th- th- for that reason alone, um, you know, she is the winner of this episode for me. Yeah, no, I, I think the, ar- the argument for Monica is very strong, especially, I mean, the, the top half of this episode, she dominated it. No question. Uh, right. I, I'm thrilled with that pick as well. All right, let's finish our gauntlet by adding the mind stone for predictions, Ooh. deep analysis and general geekdom. What do you have for us, Justin? What do you have this week? What, oh, what, what do you think is oh, going to happen next boy. week? So boy. I will say this was our first week where we were way off on our predictions because uh, now you did predict accurately that we were going to get a deeper peak at, at, at sword. So you were correct there. But I do think we were wrong in assuming it was going to continue the decade by decade yeah. format. So I'm just going right. to use my same predictions from last time, which is <laughs> that kidding. I do think it's going <laughs> to be about like baby slash young like toddler aged speed and wiccan and wanda in sort of a like different strokes threes company vibe sitcom Mm -hmm. is going to be like trying to hide from the neighbors that she has two super powered 
toddlers. That is kind of my prediction for the episode. Sure, sure. How about you? I, I'm going to piggyback off that. And, um, um, well, first of all, I would say uh, it's it's really interesting now because do we... Because this, this episode got us like 90% in Sword World and 10% in Wanda World. And yes. I'm just curious what that balance is going to be. Is it going to be a little bit of both going forward? Or is it going to be back to, you know, two episodes in Wanda World and then we go back to Sword? Or... I'll put some chips in the game and say I think this next week episode is going to be 80-20 Wanda World, real world. I think it's going to be yeah. almost yeah. entirely Wanda World, but there will be some substantial chunks where we on the other side of the glass. That's, that's I think from opinion. now on, I think we're going to get yeah bits outside of wanda yeah world <clears throat> wanda world coming this fall um <laughs> so to piggyback off of what you said though i do think yeah i i think just like you said you're gonna have the toddlers we're gonna have um superpowers with them or ideally you know that's what happens um but more so than just her hiding from the neighbors i think it's gonna be a real kind of uh because I, I, vision's starting to crack and that's true. You you get the sense that he knows something's up. He talked to the neighbors. He knows Herb and Agnes are hiding something. I think Vision's going to start doing some investigation on his own um, to try and right. see what is really going on um, because he doesn't know he's dead, man. It's right. crazy. Gosh, that that we should talk about this in the space stone, but that moment where he was grayed out and dead yeah. was nightmare yeah. fuel. I looked back uh, at my notes and I missed that. Yeah. One. Uh, I will also go ahead and call my shot and say this is the Agnes episode. This is the the reveal of, of who she truly is and um, a, a deeper look at her. I'm going to call my shot and say this is okay. the episode where we finally get that. Okay. I'll, I'll counter you and I'll say I think I think Ooh. that's going to come in like the penultimate episode. Oh. Um, I think okay. that's going to be a big reveal twist thing at the end. Okay. For I like us. it to um, set up, set up uh, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I accept um, that. I accept that analysis. But regardless, um, okay, in your mind, is Full House an 80s or a 90s sitcom? 90s. So here's my, okay, I think <laughs> I think it's going to go, now we kind of talked about this, that it's hard because we're in this era where like you have a lot of shows that ran for like 11 seasons, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think the vibe for the 80s, I think Three's Company is a good touchstone of like, um, the. it's starting to digest the 60s sitcom in a really serious way and kind of break the fourth wall a little bit and play with the idea of they know that it's a sitcom. You know, I think that this is the era where like shows start to like um, catchphrases start to get really big. It'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see if if uh, there's a catchphrase element, because I do think of that as being a very 80s trait of like. Yeah, uh, I, I'm failing to think of one off the top of my head, but like, you know, uh oh, and then the audience cheers. Yeah, you know? um, that seems super 80s to me, especially like late 80s. So, yeah, I, I think that um, I, I do think that it's going to be very threes company. Like we have a, it's sure. like it's super like a, it's like a weird digestion of like Shakespearean comedies and 1960s sitcoms. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah. a lot of like That's quid really pro quo mistaken identity. If the two people would just talk about it, they would fix mm-hmm. the problem. But instead of talking about it, there's this like gift of the Magi component where they're like keeping the thing that would solve from each other and therefore making the problem worse. But yeah. yeah. So I, that's what I think is like when I think 80s sitcom, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So then I'll save my uh, little pun for, for next episode. Okay. Then we'll go save into the nineties. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, and then that's the other thing that I, I predict 
they will be toddlers in the 80s. And then I think they're going to be like Olsen, ironically, Olsen aged kids. Well, they're basically going to be Mary Kate and Ashley. Although I know there was only one character on that show. You know, um, they will be twins yeah. on that show. Zach and yeah. Cody on what was that show with Brett Butler? Uh, when Zach and Cody were little little dudes. The, I don't know. What's that show called? Ah, whatever. Uh, that's the other podcast. The the Brett Butler night show with Zach and Cody vision vision. Um, <laughs> all right. So that we've assembled the gauntlet. Let's snap that. Stay tuned for the blip. Uh, and now we're going to just talk about the watchers, Easter eggs, deep cuts. Eggs. And yeah. So I, I will defer to you on What'd this. You find? Justin. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, fine. You put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> Give me a few. Give me a few. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the one that you called out that's amazing is the, the sword one. I mean, I, I think that it, maybe Easter egg's a weird word for that, but that's so deliberate and intentional and kind of challenging the comic people to to think about the show in a different way. So my big one was um, when they were talking about, like, the cosmic radiation and astronauts and things like that, I immediately thought of my favorite Marvel comic series, which <gasps> still hasn't been introduced, The Fantastic oh, yeah. Four. And oh, yeah, yeah. I thought, even if it's not deliberately a one-to-one, it's planting the seed that this type of cosmic radiation exists, that there are astronauts and sword. Sure. And I now kind of think, more than ever, I think that if we do get Fantastic Four introduced through the the, the TV shows, that it will be a sword introduction. Um, That'd be pretty cool. I still think, I mean, like, they're going to get a, a movie. It's been announced and that will be their true origin story. But I won't be shocked if we end up getting some little sneak peeks at the Fantastic Four. Like, don't be shocked if John Krasinski shows up in like the last episode of, you know, Young Avengers or whatever it is. Sure. Is, is Reed Richards, you know, like that. Yeah. That's kind of now what I'm thinking. Well, I think that's what these shows are ultimately building towards. I think that's of the, really cool. I think of the huge, huge Mandalorian spoilers, huge season two Mandalorian spoilers. Warning, warning, warning. I think of the Luke Skywalker reveal as like the gold standard of what Disney plus wants to do with these shows. And so I, I do think we will see a couple of characters like when they decide to do X-Men, I think we will see Charles Xavier in one of these shows. I think sure. when we when they decide to do Fantastic Four, we'll get Reed and Sue in one of these shows. And so I, that was my my big Easter egg was I, I just felt like, again, cosmic radiation, astronauts, you know, I, I don't know. It just felt very Fantastic yeah. Four dog whistle to me. Yeah, I definitely want to discuss this Young Avengers thing at another time. Yes. Um <clears throat> Prob there's some, I, I have there's some cool hunch. ideas. I feel like at the end of the season, we'll do like a maybe we'll do one episode at the very, very end. Hopefully we can get Andy on for that one. And then yeah, like yeah, yeah. really talk about what's next. Cause I, I do sure. think Young Avengers is. Um <clears throat> so yeah, that's that's awesome. Fantastic Four. That that'd be really cool. Um and just just a good catch. Cause I, I I even I even talked about the astronaut thing earlier, but I didn't really consider the Fantastic Four connection that could be there. Um <clears throat> so some of the stuff that uh, just you know I found um, so first of all, when Monica wakes up from the blip, there's these voices kind of in her head, her past and whatnot. We hear Lieutenant Trouble, um, which, you know, is, uh, Brie, uh, um, oh, Alice, no, what's her name? Jeez, who plays Carol Danvers? Brie Larson. Brie Larson, my gosh. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we, we hear Brie Allison Larson's Brie. voice <laughs> calling, yeah, not Alice and Brie, um, 
uh, yeah, we hear Brie Larson's voice saying Lieutenant Trouble, so, you know, there's just a little Captain Marvel Easter egg there for you. Yeah. Um, Maria Rambo, right? So the character from Captain Marvel, we get that she in- created, helped to create S.W.O.R.D., Big, which is huge. Yeah, huge. I'm guessing with, alongside Nick Fury because they were, you know, he was creating S.H.I.E.L.D., she was creating S.W.O.R.D. It's kind of a cool... There was one really fast line about... It's somebody said something like, and then Nick stepped away or something like that. There was like literally one I didn't line. Hear that. Okay. Cool. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I like no, accepted it, it. Maybe it's a Mandela effect. I'm almost positive when she was talking to him about the fact that he replaced her mother, that it was yeah. something like when Nick stepped away, it was clear or something like that. There was like a very sure. fast. And I was like, I think that was a Nick Fury drop. And But they like yeah. threw it away. It was really yeah. well done. Yeah. yeah. So uh, speaking of that, it's really interesting. Uh, he's so he's the director of Sword. Tyler Hayward is what I wrote down. Um, no mention of him in the comics. I mean, I you know I did a deep dive and there's really I nothing. I, I don't know. He's an original character, which could cool. be really interesting going forward because if he's in that much power, you know we know somebody's censoring. The footage, you know, Deanna and I had this whole talk last night where we're like, is he a bad guy secretly? Is he a good guy? You know, who is this guy? Um, anyway, um, speaking of Maria Rambo, um, there's a name plaque. Uh, you can see it says Maria Photon Rambo, like Photon in, in quotes, like as a like a nickname or an alias. Um, Photon is uh, one of Monica's many aliases yes. in the comics. She's Photon, Pulsar, yes. Spectrum, Captain Marvel. She's gone by many, many names over the years. The Photon plant. I missed that. That's a great Easter egg. Because I, I have been sitting here wondering to myself when she's in Young Avengers, is she going to be Pulsar? Is she going to be Photon? Is, that's a... I, yeah, that's I, suddenly science point towards Photon. Yeah. yeah. Spectrum Spectrum is her current name in the comics, and I would, I would assume they're going to go with that one. I think what they're doing there is saying, hey, my mom's nickname was Photon. Can, uh, <laughs> can I tell you my really petty theory, which yeah. is that uh, Disney's biggest competitor right now is probably AT&T, oh. and they own Spectrum, and they're not going <laughs> to do that. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I didn't even think about that, but we do make that joke in our Spectrum episode of oh, that's amazing. MC Who. Um, Spotty Wi-Fi. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I, I feel like Disney's going to be like, no, it's it's Photon. Also, we have a new high, uh, it's high-speed internet service called Photon. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, and then I guess really, that, that's really the most Easter eggs I have, but I did want to point out one more thing, and it's just that... This is the first time, and it's kind of hard for us to remember, I think, because it's been a while. This is the first time we've ever actually seen Wanda manipulate reality, right? Um, Beyond just her own personal bubble. Um, In any of the past movies, in anything that we've seen her do before, it's always telekinesis and mind control. It's never actually changing the world around her. You're right, because when I think about reality manipulation, I actually think of Thanos using the stone against the Guardians of the Galaxy more than I think of Wanda. You're so right. You're so right. Right. And so, ironically, it has nothing to do with that, right? Because she was created using the Mind Stone, her powers, not not the reality stone. Right. And so it's an interesting w- twist. Especially because um, in this series, red has consistently meant reality. Like, right. Without right. a doubt. Without a exactly. doubt. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, but so it's interesting that it's not just going on in her own mind, but we actually can see the, like when those guys pull that cord back out from agent Franklin, mm-hmm. the beekeeper, it's a jump rope. She has actively and permanently changed the reality of that object. When yes. Monica is blasted out, she is wearing 1960s clothing or 70s yep. clothing. Yep. Uh, it, that is, that has changed. She ha- she is actually, I mean, and so she's getting more powerful. And I think that that's really exciting um, because this is the closest we've actually come to a House of M type thing. And with her kind of slightly kind of, oh God, Wanda, what are you doing to yourself? Kind of at the end of this episode of like, this is our home. Like, this is my reality. Um, we're starting to see more of that House of M. So definitely go read House of M, guys. <laughs> is that your, that's your big recommendation of the week? Is It's now required reading for the podcast it is required uh, reading and since it's so big i didn't want to give too much extra here but i felt the need i felt the need to call out a few things for jimmy woo for monica if we have the time for that oh yeah um um real quick so i'm skipping sword because everything sword related in the comics is extraterrestrial stuff and i just don't think it'll apply right now to the to the organization as it stands in WandaVision. So just skip sword stuff for now. Um Agents of Atlas from tw- 2006. This is a six-part oh, mini arc that Is features... this when Sorry, I mean this is your spiel, but I think this is when Jimmy Woo runs Is it called At- Atlas? It's called Atlas. Atlas yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't read it, but I want to read it. Yeah. So he's yeah. basically like Nick Fury for this other right. organization, right? That's correct. And oh, so man. um and let it be known, Jimmy Woo is a pretty different character than the way that Randall Park plays him. And it's the both are very great interpretations of the character. He's he's a little more um, of a genius and a manipulating, oh. you know, secretly manipulating kind of Nick Fury kind of guy in the comics. A little less of like a Randall Park like friendly uh, sure. Phil Coulson. They, I was going to say less guy. Phil Coulson, more Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, ironically, Phil Coulson's a real dick in the comics. He is. <laughs> Which I, I like the decision to make him like this super yeah. sweet, you know, fanboy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Jimmy Woo has a very strong tie to Atlas um, and that continues on forever. Um, so check that one out. Um, and then Monica is harder. Monica is like she's all over the place on different teams. She leads the the Avengers at multiple times under different aliases, Captain Marvel. Um, then she becomes Photon, like I said, and then she has Pulsar and then she comes back to Captain Marvel and then she's like spectrum and um but the really the best ones that i you know that i think of when i think of the character are um her appearance her appearance with the mighty avengers in 2013 with like luke cage and white tiger and power man and superior spider-man um it's a it's an okay run it's not my favorite but it does give you a good insight into monica and then finally the best one really is ultimates 2 this is the ultimates 2 from 2016 um, and she joins like this powerhouse of team, like it's protectors of the omniverse. It's Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Blue Marvel, Miss America, and they're like fighting Galactus and it's like huge stuff. And you really get a sense of like her powers of who she is as a woman and just like, so yeah, definitely if I had to recommend one thing for Monica, it would be the ultimates two from 2016. Sweet. I love it. Uh, I will check those out. I actually, this week, I uh, decided to pull the trigger and get, uh, per your recommendation, I'm going to do Marvel Infinite for a, for a couple months and, and yes. catch up on some required reading. So uh, when, I, when I find time. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of WandaVision Vision. We'll see you next week. 
who knows what the 80s will hold. Justin, it's been a pleasure to have you. Oh, man. I'm so excited. Audience, you've been warned, and I've been went. <laughs> <laughs> you did it! You did it!